Holy nuts. Antonio Brown, Odell Beck. Holy shit, this is about to be so spicy. Let's get it. Welcome back, listeners, to another edition of Prem Brulee, the number one podcast in your headphones. Don't ever get it twisted. Don't ever play yourself. I am your host, Premobot, from the Play Call Network. And boy, have we had a hell of a week. Without further ado, let's get this going, man. I got so much to say. Okay, before I get to Odell Beckham, I have to recap what happened earlier. The first Yaf Famernot of the week is disgruntled former Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver Antonio Brown was traded to the Oakland Raiders, soon to be the Las Vegas Raiders, in exchange for a third and fifth round pick in this year's 2019 NFL Draft. Antonio Brown then signed a new three-year deal with the Raiders worth up to $54.125 million dollars with $30.125 million guaranteed. His previous contract on the Steelers had three years and nearly $39 million left, with none of the money guaranteed. Okay, before I get a little further here, I'm a yeah fam. Players need to get their money. They need to get paid, especially in the NFL, who's the one league with the biggest risk and the easiest to not pay players for some reason. So there's this great piece on ESPN by Bill Barnwell describing how bargained Brown has been for the Steelers. And it also goes into how the Steelers typically do business. They front load player contracts. And the way Brown's contract was structured is he was only going to get paid that nearly $39 million left on his deal if he continued to produce outrageous numbers. Yes, he produced 1,200 yards receiving six straight years, so no reason to think he wouldn't. But kind of ridiculous to think if he got hurt or something, he wouldn't get much of that $39 million at all. And here's my caveat to you fans out there. I know it's easy for me to say as a non-Steelers fan, but be careful with siding with teams blindly. These are the same teams that cut players left and right just so they don't have to pay them. There's one theme of this free agency besides people getting their money. It's how quickly players can get cut right before they are due money. Perfect example is the Kansas City Chiefs and Justin Houston. He was cut before he was due $15 million this season. Then you have other teams undervaluing their current players when they hit free agency. So much so that players are insulted to start out for the free agency period. These are players that produce under your own system, and then when their contracts happen to be up, you tell them why they haven't been good for you? Seems fucking backwards. I know I addressed my yeah fam to this from Antonio Brown's standpoint, but please, please stay tuned for my nah in response to this trade, because it is a two-parter, and I promise I'll get to it. Um, So stay tuned for that. Before I get back to the NFL and the major moves that happened already as free agency somewhat started, I wanted to cover a little MLB. And I went over Bryce Harper a couple times, but this Yaf Emmerna has to do with Tony LaRusa, former 
Cardinals skipper who had this to say about Bryce Harper recently recruiting Mike Trout to Philly once Trout becomes a free agent in 2020. Quote, It's disrespectful to the Angels and to the greater game to start trying to influence a guy's future ahead of time. End quote. <laughs> yeah, Kawhi, please, Kawhi, take it away. <laughs> Holy shit, this is a nah. This quote epitomizes why the MLB has fallen behind the NBA and NFL in popularity and presence in general. The Los Angeles Angels also asked the MLB to look into potential tampering. A player talking about another player joining him being tampering? the fuck out of here. Major League Baseball could use this type of fun. Teaming up, star players joining forces? Like it or not, it's made the NBA ridiculously popular. It's created villains, heroes, all that shit. Tampering rules are in place so teams won't reach out to contracted players in order to dictate their plans. Yet we have teams advertise in the press. You can't tell me these players don't talk. These fucking old traditionalists are just mad because Harper said this stuff in public. Like, I'm as petty as they come, but this one's specifically for you traditionalists. Petty alert. Petty alert. Petty alert. Deserve every bit of that. Looking into tampering. What kind of bullshit is that? Because some dude saying he wants to play with another star player? God forbid we're popular and bringing some new fans, right? Baseball traditionalists? Now, back to the NFL. This EFM or not is to the NFL free agency period so far. And I don't know how anyone is not a EFM to this. It's been absolutely fucking nuts. Before I get to Odell Beckham, let me just run down some of these moves. This has definitely been the free agency period of safeties. If you are a safety in the NFL after last season, it was looking bleak. But this year is the year of the safety getting paid. You had Landon Collins go from the Giants to Washington on a six-year, $84 million contract with $45 million guaranteed. Eric Weddle got cut from the Ravens and then wound up on the Los Angeles Rams on a two-year deal worth $12.5 million. You had Tyron Matthew move, move on from his one year in Houston and go to Kansas City on a three-year, $42 million deal. Adrian Amos... Former Bears safety wound up in Green Bay. You're looking at Earl Thomas, who's definitely going to get paid based on the way this is going. So it is good time to be a safety. Some of the other notable moves, we talked about it earlier, but it did end up happening. Nick Foles is now a Jacksonville Jaguar, signing a four-year, $88 million deal worth over $50 million, $50 million guaranteed. And a max value of $102 million. Give me that, Owen Wilson. Wow. Sheesh. Terrell Suggs from Balsohard University returns to where he went to university and is going to join the Arizona Cardinals. One of the notable moves that didn't end up happening is Anthony Barr said he was going to join the Jets, but then changed his mind and stayed in Minnesota. You have moves like the Detroit Lions becoming the Detroit Patriots, adding Danny Amendola in Signing Trey Flowers, former defensive end for the Patriots, to a huge deal worth an estimated 16 to $17 million a year. C.J. Mosley went from Baltimore 
to the New York Jets on a five-year $85 million deal. And Le'Veon Bell winds up with the New York Jets on a four-year $52.5 million deal, reportedly worth $35 million in guaranteed money after sitting out last season. So Bell basically winds up the almost the same money that he would have got as a Steeler after sitting out a year. Take that for what you will, but the Jets get a playmaker in Bell who is now off the free agent board. I won't recap all these moves, but uh, another one worth mentioning is Deshaun Jackson being traded back to the Philadelphia Eagles from the Tampa Bay Bucks. The Houston Texans, while losing Tyron Matthew and Kareem Jackson, who wound up in Denver, um, did replace a few members of their secondary. Oh, another one worth mentioning, they lost Kevin Johnson, their former first-round pick, uh, who is Buffalo-bound. The Texans replaced them with Tashawn Gibson, who is a former Jaguar, on a very nice deal, according to this safety market. They signed Gibson to a three-year $22 million million deal, which seems like a steal right now. And they signed um, Bradley Roby, go Bucks, to a one-year deal worth $10 million. So it's not a, all, a huge total loss for them. My Cowboys lost Sunshine, Cole Beasley, and his hot sauce. Cole Beasley signed a four-year, $29 million deal with the Buffalo Bills. Sad to see our slot receiver go. And before I get to the main trade the Browns did, the main trade between the Browns and Giants, actually, um, the Browns had a deal earlier in the week. Uh, the Browns acquired Olivier Vernon, from the Giants in exchange for offensive guard Kevin Zeitler. There's some picks involved too, swapping of picks. But man, the biggest move of this free agency period, a fucking doozy. Odell Beckham Jr. traded from the New York Giants to the Cleveland Browns. Wow. Odell was traded in exchange for a first round pick, a third round pick, in a trash-ass starting safety, Jabril Peppers. That's it. That's fucking it, Giants? You you mean to tell me you couldn't have shopped that offer around the league and say, how about you top a first, a third, and a bullshit starting safety, and a team wouldn't have topped that offer for you? I mean, above all else, I'm happy for Browns fans. They've more than earned it. They've paid their dues. I'm genuinely happy and thrilled for them. They're looking at a roster with quarterback and Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, for as shitty of a human being he is, Kareem Hunt whenever he returns from whatever suspension he gets, well worth suspension. They have Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., David Njoku, all on one offense. And they revamped their defense, adding Olivier Vernon and Sheldon Richardson, luring them away from Minnesota to Cleveland. What is going on? Are the the Browns are actually going to be good, and those fans fucking deserve it. All because the Giants GM Dave Gettleman's bitch ass doesn't know how to be a GM, or maybe John Dorsey is a genius. I mean, it's a combination of both. Uh, you played yourself in advance, goes to Dave Gettleman, by the way. Just signed Odell Beckham last year to a big contract and said the quote, we didn't sign him to trade him. <laughs> and then look what he fucking does. Listen, I'm thrilled. 
Cowboys don't have to play Odell Beckham twice a year anymore. Godspeed. But man, do I feel for Saquon Barkley. This dude's going to be in a permanent ice bath after each game. What are they going to do? Shit, I feel for him. Holy shit, man. How? In what world? Like, I don't even think a video game you'd be able to force this trade. A first, third, in the worst kind of pepper? Jabril peppers? <laughs> Heavy alert. Heavy alert. Heavy alert. For Odell Beckham Jr.? And then we're living in a world where a third rounder and a fifth rounder get exchanged for Antonio Brown? What the fuck is going on in the NFL? And why can't the teams I love do that type of shit? Listen, I love seeing players trade teams. The video game fan in me loves it. Used to love doing fantasy football drafts. But listen, here's my beef. I might as well preliminary sound the alert here. Heavy alert, heavy alert, heavy alert. How do the same fucking teams seemingly keep spending... And then the same ones sit on their hands and do nothing. Why are the same teams getting better and spending money while the same teams don't do fucking shit? I'm looking at you, Jerry Jones and the Cowboys. Why do the Rams keep getting players? The same damn teams, man. Then how do the fucking Patriots keep losing players and then still in it? What the hell is going on here? I know I said I'm a yeah fan, but... This isn't fucking right. I promised my family who are Texans fans that I'd give the Texans a peace of mind too. But I need I need them to know that I see through their reverse jinx attempt. See, listen. My family that are Texans fans tried to complain about their free agency period right before they had two members to their secondary. So, first of all, fuck y'all for that. But I'll still honor what I said I'd do. Because the Texans started out by franchise tagging Jadavian Clowney. Whom they should have paid by now. They cut a former first round pick, Kevin Johnson. They let Honey Badger coming off a great year go to the Chiefs. And then they burn a nine year Texan, Kareem Jackson, who claims that... They didn't even contact Kareem Jackson to let him know they weren't going to offer him or nothing. Then the Texans with plenty of cap room decide that they believe in Lamar Miller over pursuing Le'Veon Bell. But wait a minute, wait a minute. The Texans bitch ass still paid a kicker three and a half million dollars. You better enjoy that kicker. Going up increments of three points each time, if that. And then your one weakness, an offensive line that already wound up getting Deshaun Watson hurt one season, doesn't get addressed at all. Sure, you tried with Roger Saffold, the former Rams offensive lineman that wound up with, you guessed it, a division rival, the Tennessee Titans. But like, what are these fucking teams doing being so bad at free agency? Do they not know that it started? Like, why are the same teams active? And the same ones just doing nothing. I don't understand it. The Jones family must think they're some kind of fucking geniuses. They must know about some secret free agency period that I don't know about. 
Better hope these fucking imaginary players come out of nowhere. And while I'm at it, why the fuck is NFL free agency this way? Did you know that free agency technically didn't even start when all these moves were announced? What the hell is this stupid-ass legal tampering period? This is why NFL free agency, as exciting as it's been, isn't as great as NBA. The fuck is the point of all this? Just make these moves permanent. And all these players able to sign. All these moves aren't even technically made yet because the players can't sign during this legal tampering period. Don't understand the point of this. In summary, fuck these teams that continue to get better for no reason. Except for the Browns because they deserve it. But fuck these teams that continue to get better year after year. Petty alert. Petty alert. Petty alert. I hate this shit. And also, fuck the fact that Odell Beckham got traded for nothing and Antonio Brown got traded for less than nothing. What kind of NFL world are we living in right now? These aren't even trades accepted in Madden. What the hell are we doing here, GMs? Okay, anyway, I know I'll get back to the NFL here in other segments, but worth mentioning lately for my last Yeah, Fam or Nah of this episode is their recent fan interactions at NBA games. So, i got a couple to go over here. The first one is... From the New York Knicks, a fan evidently yelled at Knicks owner James Dolan to sell the team, to which Dolan replied, you really think I should sell the team? This is a video caught on TMZ. Then Dolan proceeded to ask the fan if he wanted to come to any more games and called him rude and told him to enjoy watching them on TV. The account says that Dolan called for security, but it's not exactly clear where the fan's actually been banned. The Madison Square Garden Company said the following in a statement, quote, Our policy is and will continue to be that if you're disrespectful to anyone in our venues, we will ask you not to return, end quote. So James Dolan uses Big Bad Company to pretend he's really, really hurt over something a fan who is telling the truth, by the way, said, but we're talking about the same owner whose team has won one single playoff series since 2001. And you have the audacity to kick out the one of the 12 fans that are still showing up to your god-awful team's games? We will ask you not to return. Why? So you have a zero attendance in the NBA? Your product's already shit right now. Then your sensitive owner ass wants to complain about someone keeping it on the court, keeping it basketball related, which we'll get to later, isn't always the case, telling you to sell the team, and you took that personal? You fucking suck as owner, newsflash. You must not he must be the only one that doesn't know it. I'm as petty as they come. We've already went over this. I have a whole alert and everything. Look, listen. Petty alert, petty alert, petty alert. See? But this is some weak-ass shit. This dude can't take criticism over a shit product he's putting out? Old insecure, sensitive ass. Big mad because a fan was spitting hot fire like fucking Dylon on him. (laughs) 
Then we had a couple incidents with star point guard of the Thunder, Russell Westbrook. So a little while ago, Westbrook was courtside and a fan touched him mid-game, who was a younger kid. Russell Westbrook kind of explained to him that it wasn't right. I mean, he's in his profession being touched like he's some animal in a petting zoo. And then the one that was really crazy is Russell Westbrook's recent interaction with a fan in Utah where Westbrook was caught on video threatening to fuck this fan up. Uh, Westbrook postgame was asked about it because of that video and he says that the fan and the fan's wife told him to quote, get on his knees like he's used to, end quote. To which Westbrook did not appreciate the disrespect to his family and a racially charged statement. The fan has been banned by the Jazz. Uh, Westbrook was fined $25,000 by the league for his comments. Did threaten the guy and his wife. I get all that, but... Listen, I couldn't be a bigger nod of this one. These, This type of interaction, I, I just don't get where people get off being this way. It's fine to be a fan. Boo and cheer. I stick up for fans on the regular because I think players don't really understand fans and how they work. But this does not help my point. Where do fans get off thinking that paying for a ticket gives them a free pass to disrespect someone to the point they're touching them, like in that example, or saying a racially charged statement that has nothing to do with the basketball court and nothing to do with being a decent human being. People that think that buying a ticket gives them to do whatever the hell they want legitimately, they deserve to never go to sport events again. It's really not hard to see the difference between situations I stick up for fans, calling players out for their play or the way they act on the court or being a brat, all that shit. But it's not hard to see how this is not my example. And to those of you saying Russell Westbrook should ignore it, why? If he ignores it, it enables these people to do it again. And how the fuck is that acceptable? If the players hear it, there needs to be more done proactively by security to stop it. Because if the players hear it while they're doing their job, security's only job is to be on the lookout for situations like this. Why should players have to stick up for themselves when security's getting paid to do exactly that? You want the players to focus on the game? Then don't let these fans say shit so heinous that they can't focus on the game. I mean, for crying out fucking loud, we're living in a world where some fan came onto the soccer pitch and punched a player and got 14 weeks of jail. This is the world we're living in. And you want to stick up for fans being that crazy? That's not a side I want to be on here. Not in this case. This might as well be you played yourself too. Fan fan interactions are great. We see so many great ones. And these fucks ruin it for the great majority of fans. But these types of acts are unacceptable. Nah, don't be touching players while they're in their field of play. You don't touch them unless you get permission to take a picture, put their arm around them, whatever. 
And you sure as hell don't yell anything racially charged or disrespectful to a player. I don't think any player would consider booing for their player being on an opposing team disrespectful. You damn well know what's disrespectful to a player. Not hard to discern. On that note, let's move on to likey, no likey, hate it. My first likey goes to Lagat James for passing Michael Jordan for fourth all-time on the career NBA scoring list. LeBron is now fourth all-time in scoring and tenth all-time in assists. Incredible. Y'all LeBron haters must be so, so big mad trying to cook up ways he's not the GOAT, huh? You mad? You mad? Petty alert. Petty alert. Petty alert. My next likey goes to the Pittsburgh Steelers for bringing back Ryan Shazier. They will place him on the reserve slash pup list so that he continues to get paid and most importantly receive medical insurance while he continues his rehab from his very scary injury not too long ago. As much as I'm about to rip the Steelers, stay tuned for that. This is incredible by them. On to the negativity. I think football is kind of in the air because I sense a wave of negativity coming on. Unlike anything else, only appropriate for football season. My first no likey is to report getting my hopes up that the Cowboys were still not out of their old Thomas sweepstakes and before Landon Collins signed, they were not out of that sweepstakes. This is prime territory to get my hopes up just to be shot down. Getting a safety makes too much sense, which is why Jerry Jones will not do it. No likey goes to my head football coach, Ohio State head coach, Ryan Day, brand new to the job permanently. When asked about his quarterbacks this spring as spring practice began, said, quote, it's going to be a battle, end quote. Come on, man. Give me a break, coach. Can you just name Justin Fields starter now? Let's not even play this game. It's kind of ridiculous that you would even insult us with this. No likey goes to former Cowboys defense alignment David Irving, who hopped on Instagram Live to state that he was quitting the NFL while smoking a blunt. Wow. (laughs) You seriously can't make this up. David Irving has started each of the last two seasons with four-game suspensions and at the beginning of March was suspended again due to substance abuse. Here's the thing. I'm with Irving's logic. His logic was that marijuana is much better pain management tool than opioids, the same opioids that players are permitted to take under league rules. I think he put it as uh, plants over pills. Marijuana should absolutely be allowed, and I think one day it will be. But right now, it just plain isn't. So yes, he has every right not to play in the league that doesn't allow it. But the policy was agreed on by your player representatives and a union that represents you. And it's an ex- and it's a plan that's in place in exchange for earning millions of dollars to play football. Good for him if he's that comfortable giving up that kind of dough which is evidently the case so i guess more power to him 
don't really particularly like the manner in which he did it, but uh, this is why I'm kind of a no likey, but likey to his logic. It's a tricky one. Okay, and my hate it. I think this might make it three episodes in a row. You guessed it, Kyler Murray. So I got this notification that that Kyler will run 40 at Pro Day, I believe was the exact wording. The subtitle said Kyler Murray will run 40, do passing workout, weigh in, and get measured at his Pro Day. I mean, congratulations? Is that, this is news? This dude really might be the top QB taken. And it's a headline that he's going to do drills at his own pro day with his own facility and own home cooking with numbers. Sick. Petty alert. Petty alert. Petty alert. This is the NFL world we live in. The same world that allowed Antonio Brown to get traded for a third and fifth round pick. And Odell Beckham Jr. to get traded for a first, third, and trash-ass safety. This is the same one that's going to crown Kyler Murray over some fucking bullshit. Unreal. Okay, you played yourself. Hoped I've kept my promise on the spicy. This section will be no different. I promise I get to it. The first you played yourself goes to the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's no other way around it. They traded arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL for two mid-round picks. By trading Brown, the Steelers will be forced to swallow just over $21 million in dead cap money. It is thought to be the largest dead money charge in NFL history. Speaking of NFL worlds we live in, we're living in one where former Raider Amari Cooper was traded for a first-round pick. A world where Golden Tate's expiring contract was traded for a third-round pick. The same world... That resulted in Demarius Thomas's half-season rental being traded for a fourth-round pick to the Texans. And then on top of that, we had uh, Benjamin Albright with the following tweet. Quote, A.B. got out of a situation and got the money he wanted. Raiders got the player they wanted. Steelers turned a six-round pick in 11,000-plus yards, 74 touchdowns, and then a third and fifth round pick. It's okay to just admit everyone won. End of that tweet. How about I'd be able to admit that everyone won if it were fucking true, Benjamin? You just outlined what made Brown incredible. Yet, the Steelers let him dictate terms of departure into less than what he's worth, all because... They want to call Ben Roethlisberger daddy. Everyone did not fucking win. In what world did the Steelers win? By trading arguably the best receiver for two mid-round picks. You can't just get nostalgic all of a sudden and say, Oh, well, we struck gold in the first place. You had him under contract for three more fucking years. And all because you want to hang your hat on dad, Big Ben Roethlisberger, you let talented players like Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown walk away from your franchise. You played yourself. This is coming from someone who wants to see the Steelers do well. I have a few very, very close loved ones that are Steelers fans. I want to see them happy. But there's no way on this earth 
that they didn't play themselves. All because they stick by Ben Roethlisberger. We'll see if it's worth it when the Browns fucking win the AFC North this year. Wow. Next you played yourself goes to Los Angeles Lakers point guard Rajon Rondo. So as I just talked about, LeBron passed Michael Jordan for fourth all-time on the NBA scoring list. Pretty spectacular stuff. But late in that game, which ended up being a loss by the Lakers to the Nuggets, 115-99, Rondo, obviously pissed off at something, sat on some courtside seats near fans, most notably two chains in his family. The point is, he sat away from the Lakers bench, clearly making a scene of acting like a fucking brat. Rondo then took to Instagram, posting a picture of him and James with the caption, quote, let me help y'all out. Since everyone wants to overanalyze, gaslight, and overinterpret situations, let me help y'all with your due diligence. The real story that everybody should be talking about right now is how my teammate, LeBron James, accomplished a huge milestone in last night's game. What he accomplished in this game shows where hard work, dedication, and perseverance can take you. It shows little kids that don't come from privilege that success is attainable. It shows that no one can tell you how great you can be. Y'all are so busy analyzing what happened in the last 48 seconds of the game that y'all missed the opportunity to highlight, congratulate, and praise LeBron wholeheartedly on his accomplishment. Most of y'all made a career out of discussing LeBron James, and y'all can't even pay the man some respect. Since y'all missed it, let me do it publicly. Congratulations, LeBron, on everything. You deserve all the success and happiness that God and the universe has to offer. Congratulations, my brother. Keep being great. End caption. Wow. Applause, man. Such a great sentiment. So good, in fact, that maybe you should have thought of it before you took attention away and sat away from your team's goddamn bench. The fucking audacity to tell everyone to not focus on me when you made it about your goddamn self. That's just incredible to me. This is the situation, fans, where I think it's okay to rip on players. Because they're so tuned out of what the fuck we're thinking, they want to act like we're idiots for interpreting a situation wrong. Like, these athletes really take us for some kind of freaking imbeciles, don't they? Like, on one hand, we're talking about ridiculous fans that don't help my point in complaining about players like this. It is constantly amazing to me how players can be this jaded. Like, you posted a paragraph-long caption about this dude's accomplishments and why we chose to focus on you when you're the one that made those actions. Well, we're just supposed to ignore the fact that you sat with some season ticket holders on courtside away from your team's bench and took attention away from your own teammate that you're trying to tell us we did? You fucking did that, Rondo. On one hand, we have Russell Westbrook's situation with this awful fan. Some people trying to tell us he shouldn't have reacted. And no one, and those same people not putting responsibility on a fan. And then we have Rajon Rondo questioning us and not putting any responsibility on himself. There's plenty of stupidity to go around, apparently, by fans and players alike here. Players in the case of Rondo here, fans in the sense of that idiot-ass Utah Jazz fan that yelled at Westbrook, huh? Speaking of which, 
My last You Played Yourself is a nice segue. It goes to all the LeBron haters. All of a sudden, LeBron James isn't the best anymore. He's to blame for the Lakers' lack of success. Everybody wants to ask, is LeBron to blame for the Lakers missing the playoffs? How about the correct answer to that is LeBron's groin for letting him down, causing him to miss 20 games. We're going to pretend like the Lakers weren't firmly in playoff contention when LeBron got hurt? And that his absence has nothing to do with it? If you want to question LeBron, go ahead. Rest him for the season. See how the sorry-ass G League roster fares. Petty alert. Petty alert. Petty alert. Sick of y'all dis- disrespectful asses. Meanwhile, in 28 minutes of play, LeBron can get you 30 points, 12 assists, and 10 boards. And we're going to act like, on a, even on an off year, he's not the best. I don't know what else people can tell LeBron haters other than the fact that there will actually be social media proof of them being on the wrong side of history doubting him. (laughs) You go ahead and take that L. Couldn't be me. You played yourself. Oh, before I wrap up, I know I said it earlier, but you played yourself goes to the Giants. We have to officially put him in this category we know. If we're going to call it the Steelers, we got to call it the Giants here. Trading away another arguably best receiver in the league for pennies on the dollar. And Dave Gettleman for tearing up his roster. This Giants team really told Landon Collins they can't pay him. Trade away Odell Beckham Jr., but they'll pay Eli Manning. (laughs) Makes a ton of fucking sense, Dave, doesn't it? I fucking hate the Giants and I feel for him. This sucks. And I'm sorry, but you played yourself goes to Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram. God, I hope my boy Dwayne Haskey Cakes doesn't get stuck with and saddled with this roster, man. I don't want to see my man get beat up. You played yourself, Giants. Now it's time for who you got and what you feeling. And a recap of last episode's picks. I went over... Who I'd pick as the number one pick in the NBA draft, Zion or the field. Of course, the other ones mentioned typically are Zion's Duke teammate, R.J. Barrett, or Murray State's Ja Morant. I'd go with Zion Williamson. My theory is you pass on him, you'll regret it. My other pick from last episode uh, had to do with the NCAA tournament coming up. More on that for this week's tur- this week's picks, but... Duke versus the field isn't as enticing as a pick as it once was, but the idea of taking the ACC conference versus the field sure is. If given the opportunity to be a degenerate, like so many of my close friends, would I take the field of ACC teams that make the NCAA tournament or the rest? And the ACC... Includes some top-heavy teams like Virginia, UNC, and Duke. And I got to go with the ACC over the field and teams like Gonzaga, UK, Tennessee. Because I like my chances with UNC, Duke, two Blue Bloods, and a Virginia team that always knows how to play defense. So I'm going with them. We'll we'll have to see if I end up being right. Of course, that brings me to this week's picks. And as I promised, a little segue, uh, NCAA tournament pick. I wanted to pick who I think end up being number one seeds 
in the tournament. Of course, we all know the candidates. They're the ones at the top of the rankings. Teams like Virginia, the aforementioned Virginia, Duke, and UNC. Gonzaga, Tennessee, Michigan State, Kentucky. And uh, my pick for the number one seeds in the tournament this year are the following. Virginia, Gonzaga, UNC, and Kentucky. Those are my picks for number one seeds. We'll have to see they end up faring in their conference tournaments and what happens there. But um, that's who I think will be number one seeds in each of the four regions. Went over a whole bunch of moves in the NFL free agency. I wanted to kind of put a bow on that and make my picks for winners and losers of free agency. The winner most obviously has to be the Cleveland Browns. They spent money. They acquired help on their defensive line in Olivier Vernon and Sheldon Richardson. And then they added Odell Beckham Jr. Are you kidding me? The losers of free agency go to teams like my own, the Cowboys, who just sit on their fucking hands and don't make a single goddamn move and instead just let players walk out of their locker room. They're the losers of the free agency. And if you're forcing me to pick a a team that actually saw or tried, I don't know, loser of free agency definitely is the Baltimore Ravens. They saw... Some key pieces go in C.J. Mosley, Terrell Suggs, Eric Weddle, John Brown. Their roster is going to look completely different, and it seems like they're perfectly A-OK with that. They didn't want to pay a soul, and they're committed to tanking, uh, evidently. So definite losers of free agency. Got to go with the Ravens and... Don't get to say this very often. A sincere screw you to Art Modell on behalf of Cleveland. Heavy alert. Heavy alert. Heavy alert. The winner of free agency, the Browns, and the loser of the Ravens. Cleveland's got to be loving this. That's a little cherry on top to this free agency period. So let them live. A little bonus, a little hot take that I think. A big move that won't end up paying off. I don't feel like I'm the only one, um, but I can't see Nick Foles faring as well as he has in Jacksonville as he did in Philadelphia. His huge contract with the Jaguars, I think, will not be lived up to. and is very difficult to do. So that's my little surprise pick for move I think will end up disappointing. The other move I think that may end up disappointing is the Saints are rumored to have signed Latavius Murray, a former Minnesota Viking, and before that Oakland Raider, which likely means Mark Ingram will be allowed to walk in free agency. It very much seems like the locker room loves Mark Ingram, and I don't know how that will impact their locker room, so I'd be weary of that move as a New Orleans Saints fan. Yes, they have a loaded roster, and still have talent at most every position. My dude Michael Thomas there. But keep an eye on that move. Letting Mark Ingram go. By all accounts is a locker room glue guy. And someone everybody loved in, the, in that Saints locker room. So those are my two potential surprise moves. That may have a negative impact. When it's all said and done. Last pick but not least. 
because these big names moved, I thought it would be fun to predict the bigger impact. Antonio Brown on the Raiders versus Odell Beckham on the Browns. Never thought I'd say that statement, but here we are. Inarguably, some of the top three, four, five receivers, maybe two of the best switch teams this offseason. Never thought I'd hear that. I know it's going to be easy to say Odell Beckham, but the Browns have a lot of football to pass around and distribute. So I'm going to say the bigger impact is Antonio Brown because he will very much be force-fed the ball by Derek Carr. And deservedly so, this dude's coming off six straight seasons of 1,200 yards. So I expect to be more of the same. He loves him some Derek Carr. They're a bromance made in heaven. So we'll see how it ends up going. As for what I'm feeling this week, definitely Captain Marvel. Love the movie. Love how badass she was. And those that haven't seen it, won't give away too much. But the post credit scene that Marvel has become known for is exactly what it you exactly what you'd want it to be. So keep an eye out for that. As for my too much sense for this spicy edition, it is definitely one of my favorite quotes from a movie. It is by Denzel Washington's character in American Gangster, who says, quote, the loudest one in the room is the weakest one in the room, end quote. I love this quote because I notice it so very often when someone tries to overpower a room just by making the biggest statement. So strive to lead by example, not just by words. That's what this quote means to me. And it also reminds me not to be showboaty, carry yourself with a quiet confidence, one that people recognize and not one you're touting yourself. So that's my little reminder and quote edition of Too Much Sense this week. And that wraps up the latest edition of the number one podcast in your headphones, Prem Brulee. Don't ever get it twisted. Don't ever play yourself. I appreciate you for tuning in to the spiciness. As always, please share this episode with a friend and tell that friend to share it with another friend. And subscribe, leave a review. I'd greatly appreciate it. And we'll talk to you on the next edition.